right, let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for um, this group of brothers and uh, brothers. And um, we thank you for your word. And I pray that you would uh, use this time to, uh, to convince us to read your word more. Um, but not just uh, with head knowledge, but just uh, that we'd have a heart to, to know your word. That uh, this message would, or this uh, lesson would be helpful to us in some way. That you would speak through me, and that you would um, teach us, open our hearts to what you have to say, like your word says, uh, incline our hearts to your words, God. So we ask for that. We trust that you will do that because your word is powerful, because you are powerful and you are working here, God. And we trust that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So this uh, this lesson is sort of a one-off. Um, yeah, last or we've done like the feast of or a lesson on the feast, and um, next week, what are we what are we teaching you next week? Like Sunday school lesson on prayer. All right, is my brother teaching? Yes. All right, cool. Yeah. So, um, so uh, Michael suggested that this might be a uh, just a good a good maybe either good reminder or just um, it'll teach us some things as to how to read the Bible. Uh, so. It's going to be kind of a simple lesson, but I, I hope that there will be some things in here that you guys can find. And if you guys have any questions or comments, you're totally welcome to jump in. So, how to read the Bible. So, um, this isn't going to go like too in-depth. If you guys are thinking like exegesis or hermeneutics, we're going to like sort of skim over that. We'll talk about it a little bit. But if you have questions about specifically like how to, what exegesis is or hermeneutics, we'll sort of talk about that. And if you have any questions, if you want to uh, dig a little bit deeper, then we can do that as well. But just for, because we don't have a, it would take like weeks to be really in depth or maybe like months or years to be really in depth for how to read the Bible. But uh, we'll cover that a bit. So uh, let's get to to our first point. Our aim in reading the Bible should be the same as God's purpose for us in reading the Bible. Um, So the first one we have here is uh, we read the Bible for two things, for two reasons. Number one, for information. So if you guys have your Bibles, who needs Bibles? Are you all good? All right. We'll, we'll go to Isaiah 55. And this is long, so I didn't print the entire thing out on the sheet. But Isaiah 55. And when someone gets there, can you go ahead and read that? The whole passage? Yeah, 6 through 13. <clears throat> Anyone? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bright forth and sprout, bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and the bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from heaven. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. 
and they shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. All right, cool, thanks. So what is this passage saying? There's a, our thoughts are, am I allowed to run on this board? Yeah, yeah. you are. All right. Uh, our thoughts are like, the Bible says our thoughts are like serve down there. Uh, and here are our thoughts. This is our brain right there. What does the Bible say about God's thoughts? They're above ours. This is God. So God, he thinks on a different level, right? It seems kind of obvious, but then um, we sort of think that, you know, God's thinking is an improved version of our thinking. But there's an element to God's thinking that is above and beyond and just in a different category, another level from our thinking. And what does Isaiah say here? He says that my thought, or God is speaking through Isaiah and he's saying like, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I do not think like you do. And as uh, Harry read through the, uh, the latter part of our passage, he says, um, it talks about God's word in our, in our understanding and how, um, how God, when we read God's word, how that sort of touches upon our thinking. So the passage is saying like, God is up here. God is thinking in this, on this level. You guys are down here. We are down here. So we read the Bible for information. We want to find out how God thinks, what God thinks. So when we look at God's word, this is God's word. This is God's, the way God thinks. And it's on a different level. There's a supernatural element to it that we can't um, get to on our own. So when God says, read the Bible, he's saying like, look at my thoughts. Look at what I'm saying. Um, see how it, like my, my paradigm for thinking and how I act in the world and in your life. So that's the first reason we, we uh, read the Bible. It's for information. And we have a couple more passages here. That um, Let's have Sammy. Can you read uh, Romans 15.4, please? For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we, may, we might have hope. All right, cool. So uh, Paul is writing in Romans. He's saying that... These things that were written in former days, he's speaking specifically about the Old Testament. He's the prophet speaking um, the words of God. He's saying this was written for our instruction. This was written for our knowledge, for our information. And then uh, what does he say? What's another reason why we read the, why we read the scriptures? Or what's another thing that the scriptures communicate? The uh, last part of 15.4 that we might have. Hope. hope, right? So hope is not just a wishy-washy, you know. Um, we can say we hope that um, that the Giants or A's are going to win the World Series. Um, maybe at this point it might be a little bit too early to know for certain that the A's or Giants will win the World Series. Um, but um, it's somewhat based on fact. We've seen how, how it works. Um, so I guess that's not totally wishy-washy. Let's say uh, we hope that the... Uh, that the Warriors, they'll win the, uh, they'll win the um, NBA championship in 2018. Um, if, we, if we say that, that's kind of like wishy-washy. We don't know exactly who's going to be on the Warriors roster. Then um, we don't know, you know, what other teams are going to dominate uh, at that time. So that's kind of like a wishy-washy sort of hope. It's sort of just throw it out there. We're not sure if it's going to come true or not. But then... God's word says, I want you to have a hope. I want you through the scriptures to have hope. It's us being informed of how God is acting, what God is doing. And he's saying through that, through what has happened in the past and through God's promises, his sure promises, that as you read the scriptures, you will have hope. It's hope informed 
by fact. All right? And our last part, Jeff, can you read uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, please? Now, these things happen to me as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. All right, so we see this again, Paul writing in to the Corinthians. Um, things were written for our instruction. Things were written for our instruction. So um, the first reason why I read the Bible is for uh, instruction, is for our information. Have you guys ever, like maybe in college, if you guys have taken a humanities course or a literature course, have you guys um, read, like did, did any of you guys like study the Bible as literature in any of your classes? Like what did you, as you guys like sat through those classes, what did you hear from your professors? We like, went through Psalms 23. Uh-huh. It was just for poetry reasons. Yeah. Very yeah, so it's just from a liter- literary standpoint, right? Dave, you shook your head. Did what did you like? Did you learn anything specific from um, your class? Yeah. Well, it was like was it at Davis? It was at Davis. So it was was it so it wasn't from a Christian standpoint. It was kind of like I took a course on the Synoptic Gospels. Uh huh. So like, and then our our instructor was like. Uh, she went through. Um, I think she's more looking at it from a Catholic perspective. So, um, yeah. What, what, what was your question? Like, uh, like, how? Like, what did they say about the Bible? About the Bible? Yeah. Well, it was <clears throat> obviously that one was a, was like a you know it wasn't just like a humanities course. So it's like. A, Thinking. Because she she understand that understood that it was God breathed and mm, okay. inspired by God. Yeah. So uh, most the majority of the students in there kind of already have that foundation. Gotcha. All right. Cool. Um, like not all, not all of you guys are in college yet, but maybe as you go in, you might take some classes and they'll talk about the Bible. Like I was in a in a humanities program at at a, in college and. We spent some time looking at the Bible, and um, from a completely like secular, non-Christian standpoint, I remember we had a um, some guy, some guy, uh, some Jewish professor come in, and um, he spent uh, an hour and a half um, talking about how God is like if the Bible is true, like how God is unfair and how God is unjust, and that he was looking specifically at Job, and he was just like sort of tearing apart the Bible and saying like there's no way either that. Uh, the Bible's lying about God when it says God is good, or the Bible's completely false. So, um, like that was just the kind of stuff I heard. Like they, there was another class. I mean, it was kind of cool because uh, for this for this uh, lit- honor, or this uh, humanities course, they had us buy like a bunch of books. We buy like philosophy books and like um, some history books and art books. And in that pile of books was you should buy the Holy Bible. Um, so it's kind of cool that you know they're selling the Bible in the in at San Jose State Bookstore, but um, it was from a completely literary standpoint. They were talking about how the Bible um, works as literature and how it maybe has affected history, but uh, they weren't thinking in terms of this. These are the actual words of God. This is these are uh, the words of God that will do something to you. They were thinking, looking at it as just a text that didn't have any power. That it was just like if it was if it had any propositions about God, if it said anything objective, they would say like 
that's just wrong or that's a myth. So as believers, how else do we view scriptures? Not just for information, but our next point is we read the Bible for transformation. So the Bible does something to us. It can't, we can't, the, the way the scriptures presents itself is that we can't read this Bible with our hearts and not be changed in some way. So, um, Tony, can I have you read uh, Hebrews 4.12? And you guys might be familiar with this verse, but it says a lot about how God's word functions in our life. Excuse me. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him, of him to whom we must give account. All right, so what's this thing about the Word of God? Look at the verses and tell me what you guys are seeing. It compares the Word of God to something? A sword. A sword, right? A two-edged sword. It's a... Um, and what, what exactly does it do as we continue in this verse? Pierces our soul. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, just like, imagine, imagine like, I don't know, like, uh, I know that in Dave's room there's a samurai sword. Um, or if you guys have seen, like, I don't know if you guys like, have uh, swords around, just think maybe like just sharp, I don't know, think, think the, the type of sword that the knights use. It's uh, two-edged, it's sharp, if you like, it's, it's sharp. Um, and the Bible says, as we read the word, as, as God's words are going into us, it's just plunging itself into, into us, and it just hurts. And um, if, you guys, if, you guys were like, if you guys were to stab someone, um, if you want to really cause some hurt, you would twist the knife or the sword as it's in their flesh. And this is what God's word, it's, 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 um, it's precise. Well, actually, let me, that might not be a completely uh, accurate uh, picture of that. Um, well, number one, it, it, as, as, it, as it goes into it, hurts, right? If you guys have ever read God's word, and if you guys have ever been, like, convicted of something, you're like, oh, my goodness, like, this is, this word is, God's word is saying something about me. It's saying that I have to change something. It's saying that I'm in the wrong. It hurts, but then... Um, it says it pierces the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And what exactly does it do? It discerns our thoughts and intentions of our heart. And it, it's, it's not merely just a whacking away at our soul. It's not, we don't read the word. And we don't read the word just to be beat up. But it says that God's word is doing something to us. And at this point, we think of it not merely as a, as a sword going into our bodies, but think of it as... A sword going to bodies with the precision of a surgeon. It's it's God's scalpel in digging out what needs to be dug out and cutting away what needs to be cut away, so that God can restore us, so that God can uh, redeem parts of our lives, so that God can do His work in us. So, God's word is the weapon that's used to change us, to transform us. So something happens to us. As we read God's word, so these are the reasons why we, we why we read God's word. It's so that we would be informed, so that we'd have stuff in our head, 
but also that it would cut into our hearts, that our lives would be transformed. And uh, we'll look at Psalm 19, 7 through 14. I don't have a whole thing printed out, so if you have your uh, Bible again, let's turn to Psalm 19. Seven through fourteen. So, Dave, have you had? Yeah. Yeah. Can um, you read the, these? Uh, sure. Eight verses. Seven through fourteen. Yeah, seven through fourteen. The law of the Lord is perfect. Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, as we read these these verses, it says things about God's word, and it says it talks about what it does. So, as we read it, look at what look at the propositions about God's word, and then also. The um, the effects of reading God's word or what it does to us as we read it. Sorry, Dave. Go ahead. Okay. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise uh, making wise the simple. All right. Stop right there. The law of the Lord is perfect. What does it do? It does what to our souls? Revive. All right. And then uh, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making doing something. It's making the wise simple, right? So look at that. Consider these things as we continue reading these verses. Verse eight. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Uh, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than uh, much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. But when, <clears throat> but them, by them, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, uh, them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden fa- uh, faults. Uh, keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Awesome, thanks. So, what does the word of God do? It says it revives our soul. It makes us. It makes us. If we're wise, it makes us simple. It uh, causes us to rejoice. It opens up our eyes. Um, um, uh, verse eleven. The word of God warns us um, if we're if we're in the wrong. So these are these are things that the Word of God does. Um, it says something, but it also transforms us as we read it with an open, uh, open heart, open mind. So we can do that. We can. Uh, we can. I mean, like it's kind of easy to read read words and not let them affect us. But we, if we really want to read the Bible, I think the uh, the whole title of this of this Sunday school lesson is how to read the Bible for all it's worth. If we want to read the Bible for all it's worth, we, sh- we need to come in with a certain attitude. Um, so we'll look at these uh, our next point, steps in reading the Bible. So this is how we should go about it. And this, this is sort of like, um, I guess sort of cold from experience. And then also I've got some uh, books that I, um, I pulled some of this stuff from. So we'll look at what uh, how we can not only be informed by reading the Bible, but also be transformed as we read the Bible. So I'm going to have a, this is kind of a long, well, actually, Eugene, can you read Second uh, Peter 121 first? Sure. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, 
But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. All right, so the men, the Bible, it's written by, you know, people just like us. But God spoke through, what does the text say? Through the... Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking through the text. So when we ask, when we, when we read the Bible, the first thing we want to do is we want to, before we approach it, we want to say, God, will you show me what the Holy Spirit is saying? Will the Holy Spirit work in my life, in my heart, and in, in my mind, so that I will understand what you're trying to say to me? So we've got a Psalm 119, or I'm sorry, um, 1 Corinthians 2, 16 through 6. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 through 16. And we've got a lot of verses here. So I'm going to ask uh, the three guys in the back. Ben, can you read um, verse 6 through 8? Um, and then um, Arnold, can you read verses 9 through 11? And then Clarence, you've got um, verse 12 through 16. Can you guys do that? All right, so let's follow along in First Corinthians chapter 2. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the ruler of, rulers of this time who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord. Lord. <coughs> But as is it written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows the person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thought of God except the Spirit of God. And we have received not a spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Alright, thanks. So what is this text saying? It's saying that there are things that we can just take into our eyes and they can go into our heads. But what who's the person that keeps on coming up over and over in this text? It's the, it's the spirit, right? This verse, this passage is saying that if we're natural men, if we haven't been touched by God, we can't really understand what this text is saying. The spirit has to work. Something other than ourselves needs to be, um, like the word we're using here, illuminating us, opening our eyes to what God is really saying. So we ask the Lord to illuminate the text. We ask we asked God to, you know, if we say, if there's any confusion about this, God, will you clarify what you're saying? If I don't understand certain things, God, will you show me what you're saying? If there's some sin in my life that's hindering me from, from really seeing what you're saying, God, will you show that sin to me? And will you, uh, will you, will you make me repent so that I can hear what you're saying? 
So we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to illuminate what God is saying through the text. And we see this um, in the Old Testament. Um, Rachel, can you read at the bottom of the first page this verse from Psalm 119? All right, so it's, it's, a, it's a prayer that we see in the Old Testament as well. God, will you open my eyes, not only so that I can take in this factual information, but so that I can understand it on a spirit level, so I can hear what you're saying that the natural man or unbelievers don't understand. So that's the first step. It's um, asking the Lord to illuminate the text. It's asking the Holy Spirit to work in... Uh, in our hearts and minds so that we understand what's being said. All right, any questions, comments at this time? All right, the next, the next thing we have is uh, number two, next page. Repeat the passage in different ways. And this is where we get to the more, um, the actual like really practical things as to what we can do. So repeat the text in different ways. So let's just take, um, let's take uh, Psalm 119, which Rachel just read. What do I mean by repeat the text in different ways? Um, it says, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things of your law. So what I mean by this is maybe as we read through, let's say we're just reading through one verse. Open my eyes. Let's, let's put an emphasis on um, each part of this verse. So open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things of your law. What does open my eyes mean? Think through that as you read this verse. Um, open my eyes. Open my eyes. What's the when we when we look at that as the emphasis? Open the eyes that I may open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Think about what it is to have your eyes opened by God. As we move on, um, that I may behold wondrous things. What are the wondrous things out of God's law? So now as you read the passage again or this verse again, um, the focus is not opening my eyes, but then as you move on, the focus is um, what are the wondrous things of God's law? And we just think about what it is. What are these wondrous things? Um, maybe how God's word is wonderful. What has its, what has it, uh, how does it act in our lives? What is wonderful about it? So this is kind of what I mean about repeating the passage in different ways. Like if you were to take another text or another pa- another verse, you can do the same thing. Like when it says, um, I don't want to play, sort of play like Bible roulette right now, but like just say like if I opened up a verse, um, I guess I said I don't want to play Bible, play Bible roulette, but I'll just do that. You guys know what I mean by Bible roulette? It's just like you sort of just open up the... Bible and just say, God, speak to me through um, this passage. Um, that's kind of, that's not like usually the, a really effective way of doing it. But let's say, let's say I'm turning to um, Philippians, like uh, a verse that you guys might, um, well, one of my favorite verses is a Philippians um, 1, chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm sure of this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So if I'm going to repeat this text, I'm going to say the focus, I'm going to focus, I'm going to say, I'm going to put on he who began a good work in you, who began a good work in me. And what is in my own life? What is the good work that God has done in my life? Um, I'm going to read it again. 
um, uh, he'll bring it to completion. What, how might God bring his work to completion in my life? Or how is he working in my life right now? And uh, how, like, how is God's work being progressively sh- uh, shown and worked out in my own life? Um, and uh, I'm going to read the verse again. The last part, it says, at the day of Jesus Christ. What does the day of Jesus Christ mean? So this is kind of what I mean by like repeating the passage in different ways. You can read the same verse with a different emphasis or focus on each section. Does that kind of make sense? Okay. And then the uh, next part is this. Pray through the text. So this kind of goes along with the first, our first step, which is asking the Lord to illuminate the text. But then we're actually praying through the text. So... Um, we're going to, if we have time, we don't have that much time, but then um, if you want to, if you want to see an example of how to, or if you want to look at a good passage for praying through the text, we might want to turn to Psalm 119. Rachel read a little bit from that verse earlier, but um, this is, Psalm 119 is a prayer to God, and Psalm, Psalm 119 is about the Word of God, and it says, God, will you show me things through your Word? God, will you work through your Word? And as you read the Bible, as you read the text, We'll say, how can I pray through this? So let's turn to uh, Psalm 119. I'll just do this really quick just for time's sake. Um, let's turn to Psalm 119, verse 9. Psalm 119, verse 9. And then uh, let's go through a few verses. And then let's just pray. If I were to like be out loud, talk out loud while I'm praying through the text, um, this is what I would do. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So I pray, God, will you, will you guard, will you, will, you, uh, will you cause me to guard your word in my, in my heart, in my life? Would you cause me to see your word as precious? Would you cause me to take, put your word as a priority in my life? By guarding it according to your word. Verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. This is, this is speaking to God, and we can take these verses and speak to God as, with these verses as a guide. God, will you, um, don't let me wander away from your commandments. Don't let me be distracted from what you are saying. And God, will you keep me focused? Verse 11, I've stored up my word in, in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, I don't want to sin against you. I want to be pure in your eyes. Will you help me store up your word? Will you help me memorize your word? Will you help me um, have a discipline to put your word in my life. So this is me praying through the text. This is me taking the text as a guide and saying, God, will you do something in my life? Will you, um, will you, will you, well, will you, uh, will you take this word and, and cause me to, uh, cause it to have an effect in my life? So this is praying through God's word. And it can be for other things too. Like there are, Passages that talk about you know other people. If it's if you're reading God's commandment that says like love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, you can say God, will you help me love you with my mind? Will you help me love me love you with your soul? Um, pray through the text. All right? Questions, comments. All right. Um, number four. Think of the text or write it out in your own words. And this is um. Uh, do any of you guys like journal? No, not really. Okay, well, this is something um, you guys might want to do. 
is journaling. And um, there's actually, I tried, I've tried journaling in the past and it's like really tough. It takes a lot of discipline. So maybe I should take my own advice and uh, <laughs> do it again. But um, when, we, when, we, when I say like, think of, think of the text um, or write, think of the text in your own words, it's okay to look at a Bible passage and um, think of how this might translate into my in my own life or in my own language. Like um, some 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 passages, they just might not fit a hundred percent in our in our thinking. Um, so we might want to use our own language to say how to to put the words in our own in our own language, or you might want to like. Um, if 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 the, if a passage is saying like um, I don't know like if if mm, I'm trying to think of an example as to how you guys might do this well. Um, let's take a Psalm 119 again. Psalm 119, 18. Um, think of a text or write it out in your own words. Let's if we think of it in our own words, how might we do it? We might say, God, will you open my eyes or if we think of it, um, if we think of it, how how this verse is really reading, it's not opening our physical eyes, but it's opening our spiritual eyes. We might say, God, will you open my heart? Will you open my um, understanding as we go in the verse that I might behold the wondrous things out of your law? We might want to say, God, open my heart, open my spiritual eyes, open my spiritual understanding that I... Um, will treasure the things that you're saying these these uh the things that have worked in my life in the past the how the word has worked in my life in the past will you will you um cause me to treasure them from your from your word i mean that's sort of like a bad example but does that sort of make sense like cause me to uh, or just say it in our own words okay okay we'll move on um number five meditates all right, we've got this pit, this this uh, picture of a cow. All right, so who can tell me how a cow's cow eats or how its stomach works? Have you guys ever studied like cows or just their digestive system? They swallow, they throw up, and they chew on it. Yeah, so a cow has a cow's stomach has four chambers, um, and you, we've got them here. Um, a cow will eat something. And it'll go into its stomach, and then it'll regurgitate it, and then it'll chew it again, and then it goes back in. And it goes through these stages where it's not just like us, where we like eat something, it goes into our stomach. Our digestive system processes the food, and then we excrete it, right? It's, it's the cow, what, is it, what it does is it eats something, it, it intakes it, it comes out again, it chews on it again. And this is a... This is, a picture of how we might take in God's word. We say meditate. Um, meditate is not just like clearing, like my, um, I remember my grandpa, there's one time I was watching him and he was just like sitting, sitting in a, he was just sitting there and he was just staring out into space. And I, I asked my mom, like, what's he doing? Like he was doing that for like half an hour. I was like, what's he doing? He's just like completely like out there. And he, she said, oh, he's meditating. And then, um, he was not a Christian. He was a Buddhist. Uh, I was like, what, what does a Buddhist meditate on? So then I looked into it. A Buddhist, they, their idea of meditation is clearing out their mind of everything. Um, but 
for us, meditation, what is it, what, how does a Christian meditate? He looks at God's word, or she looks at God's word, and he's saying, it's taking in God's word, and it's thinking about what God is saying. It's, it's kind of like the cow chewing it, swallowing it, we're, we're bringing it, it's bringing it up again, and it's like, okay, how does this passage fit into my thinking? How does this passage fit into my life? How does it fit into maybe the people around me? And we just put laser focus on what God is saying through the text, and that's meditation. It's thinking about God's word. A way you might meditate on God's word is um, having a scripture written on a three by five card and just taking out, looking at it through the day, thinking about what God is saying through the text. So it's, this is meditating on God's word. Yes, Michael. I really like um, this uh, image of the cow digesting because I think for a lot of us, and the reason why we get so frustrated frustrated reading the Bible is that we have kind of a lazy attitude, right? And so we kind of think of it as one of those quote-a-day calendars where you kind of read it and you immediately get, I don't know, inspired. You're like, yeah, you know, 50 seconds, I did it. But, you know, the cow image, it's extremely long. I don't know how long the cow takes, but I'm sure it takes hours to digest through. And and it's a really laborious process. And a lot of it is not entertaining and, and, and it takes a long time. And so, you know... We can't be lazy in reading the Bible. You know, we have to really put a lot of effort. We have to meditate. One of the phrases that David uses is, "I meditate on your word day and night." And I don't think he means he, he pulls an all-nighter, you know. But I think what he's trying to emphasize is it, it's an absorbing, all-consuming uh, sort of thing where you have to really think through it. And I think it's really uh, scandalous that we spend so much time and energy in school studying for chemistry or for our business exam, but we, we spend, you know, a fraction of that reading God's Word, and, and it should yeah. be, you know, at least on par. <laughs> yeah. We just spend at least as much energy reading the Bible as we do preparing for a DMV exam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Prepared. Awesome, thanks. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's like constantly just thinking about what God's Word is saying, right? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about just, uh, um, I, I haven't done this, but I was think, reading a thing about how a guy, um, he just, he, every day he wrote down one verse on a 3 by 5 card. Um, and he was just like, throughout the day, he'd look at that verse and think about it. He'd try to memorize it. And at the end of three years, he did that every single day. At the end of three years, he had like, that's like 1,100 Bible verses memorized. Um, and just, I mean, it's not that much work to do one verse each day writing it down. So maybe that's something you guys might think about, something that you can do in your life. Just imagine like how much power you'd have in your own life, if you had like 1,100 verses stored up in your head, that'd be amazing, right? Um, and it wouldn't be that difficult if you spread it out over some time. All right, um, last last uh, thing is do what the passage says. Um, just do what God's word is telling you. If it's telling you to give to the poor, give to the poor. That might be a good way of having God's word working in your life. Um, so, I mean, it's just there's information, there's transformation, and there's transformation that comes out of our life that affects the people around us, the world around us. So um, we do what God's word says, all right? And um, for times, I'm sorry, like we have to rush through this last part, but questions to ask when reading a passage. Um, what is the author's intent when he wrote it? Um, we, don't look at, we don't look at just the Bible and say, what does this passage mean for me? How does it apply just to my own life? But we want to look at the, the uh, what what's, if Paul is writing through, if Paul wrote Romans, what did Paul mean when he wrote um, 
the book of Romans. It's not just us taking his, his words out of context and applying it to our own lives, but it's, we're going back to what Paul is saying. And it's, this requires some study. It requires opening up some books. But it's worth it because we want to find out what is meant by what the author is saying. Not merely what we think it means, not merely how it applies to our own lives, but what is the author's intent. Um, what's the context of the passage? Um, who, was, who were the authors writing to when they wrote it? And what was their situation uh, when, when, when the author wrote this passage or this, these books to uh, certain churches or to certain people? Um, so what, what did they mean by it? What was the context and what they're writing in? Um, what does the text tell me about God? When we read it, we don't look at just, um, okay, what does it tell me about just whatever? But we want to have a really, even if it doesn't mention God specifically, we want to see what does this Bible passage tell me about God? Does it tell me that he's faithful? Does it tell me that he's jealous? Does it tell me that he acts a certain way? Um, what does it tell me about myself? Does it tell me that I'm sinful? Does it tell me that I'm on the right track? Does it warn me about something? Um, and what are the implications for my own life? Um, and finally, any questions? Just our last minute or so. Sorry, I have to rush through this part. All right. Um, and finally, our last portion. We read the word of God to know the true and ultimate word. Who is, guess his name? Jesus. God has spoken ultimately and conclusively through Jesus, the word. It, uh, from John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word? It's Jesus that John is speaking about. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. God is speaking through the Word, but ultimately we read the Bible so that we would know the ultimate Word, which is Jesus. All right, and then um, helpful resources. Um, this is uh, by a professor at my school. Um, it's a book called Playing with Fire. It's pretty good. Um, how the Bible ignites change in your soul. This will tell you like how to read different genres of the Bible. Um, and it also talks about some of the stuff that we talked about today. Just um, wh- how it, how the Bible works in our in our life. But also like if you want to see like how you read the prophets or how you read the Psalms or how you read the Gospels. This is a good book. Um, these two books are uh, same, kind of the same thing. How to read the Bible for all it's worth. It talks about um, exegesis and hermeneutics and um, how to read, again, like different genres of the Bible. Um, how to read the Bible book by book by the same authors, Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. Um, it takes you through every book of the Bible and it tells you the context. It tells you who wrote it. It tells you, um, it kind of tells you like how, to, like the historical situation that is written in and also um it gives you an idea as, as to what the author meant when they wrote it. And then also, finally, um, spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. It talks about one of the disciplines is reading the Bible. Um, others are like giving and prayer and, and, and uh, stewardship, stuff like that. So if you guys want to borrow these books, you guys are welcome to. All right? Cool. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking through it. I pray that you would um, cause us to have a desire for your word, cause us to want to read it, cause us to... Um, to to knock out the distractions in our life and to focus on what you have to say, God. And I pray that we would be a people of your word, that our lives would be driven by what your word says, God. And we thank you for this, for us, how you how you've taught us today. 
And we look forward to worshiping with our other brothers and sisters in the other room in uh, just a few minutes, God. We pray that you would be glorified today in our lesson, in our in the message, through the singing, through the prayers, through our fellowship, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.